You are listening to the Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast with John Pemba and Andrew Cooper. What's going on, everybody? John and Pemba here with Andrew Cooper, Fantasy Alarm Fantasy Football Podcast for week 15 of the NFL season. And my, oh my, Coop, I go away for a Las Vegas comeback. Uh, and the sports world itself is turned on upside down on its head, and the NFL this week hit hard with COVID, multiple teams and intensive code of protocols. We have now being moved off their scheduled time. Uh, we thought maybe this was going to be the end of it. Last year we had a lot of this, but this week now, some wild things going on in the world of sports. I mean, yeah, just an absolute nightmare for us personally, really, because we're trying to analyze this. We're trying to do start sits and just with the landscape constantly changing, everyone's got to change their rankings you have nonstop. It's, it's nuts. You know what I mean? It's not just the offensive players, but, you know, say, for instance, all of a sudden, a guy like Jair Alexander's out. That changes the rankings for the guys that don't even have COVID. It's just, it's such a nightmare, but we're going to try and comb through it as best we can. We have, we're staying up to date on the info. We got it all for you. So, yeah, we got the uh, COVID yeah. tracker on Fantasy Alarm and DFS Alarm. If you want to check it out, we got all the teams and all the players that are currently out. It's being up to date pretty much as the moments happen. As soon as those tweets get released that players are out, we update the chart, we tweet it out. It's so all that information you can find going over to Fantasy Alarm. It's in the drop down menu for the COVID list. Uh, I can certainly make sure you check that out. And like you said, Coop, it's the worst timing ever. This is week one of the fantasy football playoffs for a lot of leagues. And key players are on the COVID list and potentially may not even play this week now. And there's a lot in limbo. Listen, what did we talk about last year? Having those reserve roster spots. And what if a guy plays? And what if a guy doesn't play? We have games now on Tuesday of this week because of, of COVID protocols. And, and if you're if you have a guy that's on COVID IL waiting to see if he's going to be activated or not. You're going to have to see if your league lets you have a replacement play instead. Like I'm going to play player X if he's active, but if not, this is the guy who counts towards my score. Like it's going to be pretty wild that we're back into it, but because we have so much to get into here, Coop, let's just jump into it. We'll start off Saturday game. It was supposed to be two. We're down to one. We have New England versus the Colts here. The Patriots are coming off of a buy. They're two and a half point underdogs in this game. 45 and a half game total. Damian Harris was ruled out earlier today, which means Ramondre Stevenson will be your lead back for New England. Coop, first off, do we have any pending COVID issues on either of these two teams? And then break it down for us, man. What's this matchup like? Yeah, so this is actually, it's great that this is the Saturday game because these are two of the teams that are least hit by COVID. So the Patriots have Dalton Keene and J.J. Taylor, necessarily fantasy relevant. And then the the Colts only have one player that's currently on, on the list, uh, Zaire Franklin, I believe. Hold on, let me just. Yep. Yeah, just Zaire Franklin, so linebacker. And he was one of the early ones on the list, 12-13. So there's a possibility he could get in another, another negative test. But, you know, the way I look at it is if you tested positive before, let's say, Tuesday, right? So it's Friday now, Tuesday or Monday, you had two 24-hour periods to get that negative test in. If you didn't get two negative tests in, that means you got another positive test in and you're not playing. So for me, some of those guys that have the early dates, it's actually less likely that those guys are going to play because they would have got the tests in by now. Right. So it's an interesting, it's an interesting situation. In this particular game on the Patriots, my I'm looking at two guys specifically. Ramondre Stevenson now has that full role with Damian Harris out. We've seen him do well with a big workload. I mean, even with Harris last week getting banged up, he had 20 carries, looked great. So I'm getting him in as many lineups as I can. He's a guy that, for me, like, now you can 
put him ahead of all the guys that are kind of in sort of split situations or questionable situations. Like I'm putting him in ahead of Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. I'm putting him in ahead of, I definitely wouldn't start Sony Michelle, right. especially with Dale Henderson playing. So he goes ahead of all those guys for me. The other guy from the Patriots for me is Hunter Henry. This is a perfect matchup for him. The Colts do play a decent amount of man-to-man, and he's the better guy versus man-to-man. I think it's a good setup for him. If you can trust him this week, then you can probably trust him again in the, with the Jaguars championship week. On the flip side, if he doesn't do well this week, you could lose your matchup, and you have to look for another tight end because you're not starting against the Bills you know, the following week. Yeah, and if um, you lose your matchup this week, you're probably in trouble anyways with it being the playoffs. So. Oh, yeah. Well, if you sneak, if you, I'm saying, I mean, if you, yeah. if, if he does bad and you sneak by, then you got to find somebody else. But yeah. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and then on the cold side, I'm starting Pittman. Jonathan Taylor's a beast. The problem with the wide receiver is the same thing we've had all year where Zach Pascoe plays the full snap share, but he doesn't do very much. And then T.Y. Hilton plays a limited snap share, and it's just not enough to be relevant. So for yeah. me, there's, this is a two two player team right now. It's fancy playoffs. So you there's three groups of guys for me. There's guys I can trust, there's guys I can't trust, and then there's the tier of guys that's like back against the wall, I call them, where yeah. if you need to slide somebody in there, you throw them in there. I don't even think Pasco or T.Y. Hilton are back against the wall type players. Neither are any of the tight ends, Jack DeWill, Moyle Cox, none of those guys. So really, it's just Pittman and Taylor for me. I don't know about you, John. Yeah, no, I'm with you in agreement there. And trust me, if I'm a Jonathan Taylor fantasy manager, I'm actually very worried about this matchup because what was the one thing we always talk about with New England and Bill Belichick is they do what they can to stop what you do best. And then they want you to beat them other ways. Which means th- in this game, in my opinion, they're going to try to force Carson Wentz to throw the football, and they're going to be focusing their whole shutting down Jonathan Taylor. And, and that obviously worries me. Now, now, Taylor has been facing stacked boxes all season. He's an incredible runner. We've seen teams gash New England at times this year, but that's just the one. my one worry if I'm a Taylor manager is just the history that Belichick tends to bring when it comes to fe- focusing on shutting down one aspect of an offense and that secondary getting healthier, their pass rush is good. It'd make a lot of sense for them to shut down the run and see if Wentz can beat them throwing to a Pittman and really just like much lesser quality secondary receiving option. So uh, very curious to see how that one breaks out. Uh, yeah. I think what I would do in that situation is like Taylor, you got to start him, but yeah. may- maybe just don't leave him out of your DFS lineups this week, you know? Yeah. I mean, he could be chalky and now it's, now it's a showdown slate. So, I mean, unless you're playing the, they do have the all-day weekend slate, so I guess there's potential there, too. But I'm with you. It could be a good contrarian. Going to the next matchup here, kicking off Sunday, we have Dallas Cowboys going into New York to face the Giants here. Giants are 10.5-point underdogs at home, a 44-and-a-half game total here in this one. The quarterback situation for this game, Daniel Jones is already ruled out, so it's looking like we're going to be Glennon back here for the Giants in this matchup. Dallas hasn't really been looking good. They nearly blew that game last week against Washington as well here. But this is an offense in a game where we're hoping we should see Dak Prescott have some success against this line. And then what are we doing in the running back situation with Zeke? Yeah, I mean, I'm starting Zeke for sure. He's just a guy that he says that the doctors told him his knee can't really get worse from playing. It's only just going to slowly get better. So the way they've been using him while he's been banged up, basically tells me that they're just going to keep using him like that. So I'm starting him. The Giants aren't a team that scares me. And the Giants do have a big chunk of players that are on this COVID list. And most of them are on, on defense. It's like guys like Xavier McKinney, Adoree Jackson, a couple linebackers. And then it's like John Ross and Kadarius Tony on offense. For the Cowboys, they do have Cedric Wilson on the COVID list. Only one player, but it is a player whose name we know who does contribute on offense. The Cowboys last week 
did something that they did all of 2020 and hadn't done that all this year, which was they put Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup on the outside and had Lamb just play in the slot, which we didn't like that last year. Right. And we don't like it this year. I mean, so far this year in the first 11 or so games, Lamb was playing averaging 40 snaps a game out wide. This last game, he only played seven and he ran less routes than the other guys because he was coming off the field for two wide receiver sets. I don't know if that's if they're just saying, hey, we're going back to that or if it was just kind of a one off thing. But I mean, I don't love it. But it's uh, I'm still starting Lamb where I where I have him starting Amari Cooper. Gallup falls in that back against the wall category for me. But I mean, all three are going to play a ton with Cedric Wilson out and no Blake Jarwin. So you can throw him in there. But just something to keep in mind is that we don't like that for Lamb. And they did it last week. Yeah, no, I agree with you. That is definitely uh, tough news. And Gallup, again, Gallup's been a nice little DFS find of late. Uh, because he's playing those snaps, he is getting the looks from Dak. And Amari Cooper, though he did have finally, and, and we called it, and I called it on the DFS podcast as well, the price on him last week was too cheap. He was like $5,900. And of course he goes and, and finds the end zone there. So I'm with you. I like the Dallas offense. I'm a little ski, uh, you know, a little less on the running game because it's just so unpredictable exactly how effective uh, those guys are going to be. They gave Corey Clement a bunch of carries again. They just want, while you're right, Elliot is going to, can't get worse. They're still seemingly managing him until they get to the playoffs. I think that's what they're waiting for. Come playoff time, they'll give them the 20 carries if they need it, but uh, there's no reason for them to push it there. Giant side, there's nobody we want here, right? No, nah, man. I can't trust anybody. It's like, I'm, I, I've got them on my bench still. I've got Kenny Galladay on the bench, Ingram. Yeah. Shepard, if they don't do anything this week, I'm just going to drop them for people that I can potentially trust because this is this is kind of the last stand for me where they've made their way to the bench and they're about to make their way to waivers. So, yeah. and uh, I, I'm and, not talking about Saquon. Obviously, if you have Saquon, you're playing Saquon. It's not a great matchup for him, but his overall involvement in the passing game has been nice. He had a receiving touchdown last week, and he still he actually ran the ball a little bit better as well. Again, you're not really going to be able to run much on Dallas and the game script's not going to be there for him to run the football, but he just is on the field a lot and, and he has pretty high in that offense. So Barkley's probably like a flex play in RB2 uh, upside, but yeah, the receivers, the tight ends, especially, you kind of ax them, ax them out of your mind for sure. Next matchup here, Coop, you have Arizona versus Detroit, 47 and a half game total here. The Lions getting 13 points at home. We got the DeAndre Hopkins news yesterday. Going to be done for the year. Connor is questionable. Edmonds is expected to return this week. So a lot of things going on in this Arizona offense and a very nice matchup here against Detroit. Yeah. So I'll, I want to start on the Detroit side because that's just easier to get out of the way for the, for this team now with Hawkinson and Swift not playing, there's really not much I'm interested in besides Amon Ross St. Brown. We've been talking about the last couple of weeks. Once again, he played 17 snaps out wide. So it's kind of the opposite of what we just saw from CeeDee Lamb. Right Earlier this year, they were rolling ARSB out the same way that C.D. Lamb was used last season. He would play in the slot, and then he would come out for two wide sets. As of late, he's been playing a full snap role. He's been playing, like I said, mostly in the slot, but 17 to 20 snaps out wide, so he plays the full game, kind of like how Chris Godwin's deployed. And, I mean, his production's gone up. He's got the seventh most targets of any wide receiver over the last three games. So Amon Ross St. Brown, not necessarily a guy I'm starting unless it's a deep league, but I'm definitely adding him wherever I have the opportunity because with all the craziness, you might need a guy like that. Yeah, the target share that he's getting of late as well is huge. Uh, and it's a game script where you're going to be throwing. Now, it's not a great matchup, obviously. It's going up against a tough Arizona team, but they didn't have a great matchup last week either against Denver. And he had all of those targets. And that's really what you're looking for. Now, the price is up. You know, again, 50 if you wanted to this week for DFS if you're looking that way. But in seasonal, yeah, you love 
lot you load him in there. 12 targets back to back weeks. He's got the eye of rental of uh golf there, so I'm with you. What about that Arizona side though? I mean, where are you going Kirk? Are you going Green? What's the receiving group that you're looking at with no Hopkins. So I think I like green the best out of the wide receivers. Kirk, obviously his role goes up a little bit with, with Hopkins out. Cause we've seen it. That's the good thing about these situations. We've seen them before. Zach Ertz has been a red zone contributor for sure. He had seven targets last week. Two of them were end zone targets. One of them was in, intercepted and the other one, he basically, it was like, it was thrown to him when he was in the end zone, but he was coming back to the ball and caught at the one. But for me, that's an end zone target too. So I like that. The problem that you run into with Rondell Moore is that the guy that they're missing now is a guy that plays flanker and split end. He's a big body that tethers his foot to the lines. What they did last time was they actually used Antoine Wesley as the split end at times, which so Rondell Moore snaps didn't shoot up the way that we might have hoped. And I honestly don't foresee that happening again. He could be a DFS play, but I mean, you just can't trust that particular player right now. But AJ Green, I'm putting in there. I have him in a lineup or a playoff matchup this week where I had DeAndre Hopkins. It was a dynasty league where I, AJ Green, I went out and got him just because of the Hopkins situation. And I'm rolling him out. Christian Kirk, if you have to, Christian Kirk is a, he falls into the back against the wall category. If you got nobody else, put him in there, but you're not going out of your way to get him in the lineup, right? Yeah, no, definitely not in, in the getting going out of the way to get into the lineup for sure there. And running backs are both safe. I mean, it's a great matchup for the running game. Edmonds, even if he returns. And no, this is, I guess, the question right now. And it's something that we, we've dealt with a lot in Discord is the way Connor has played lately. A lot of people think that Connor should be the back that continues to sort of lead the, lead the snaps, be the lead guy for them. But before the injury to Edmonds, it was like a 60-40 here with Edmonds getting a lot of the early down work. And then once they got into the red zone is when Connor was coming into the game. I think that's what's going to continue because that's the way that Kingsbury likes to run this offense is with Edmonds out there because of his versatility. And while Connor has proven capable of cashing the football a little bit, Edmonds, that's, that's definitely more of his skill set. They like to spread him out. They like to be able to kick him outside uh, and line him up out there as well and run him as a receiver. I think that's going to return. It's not going to devalue James Conner at all, though. If you have James Conner still, start him. He's going to score all those touchdowns. But, you know, I don't think that he's going to get the same snap share that he's been getting. Yeah, no, I'm I'm with you there. I mean, the only, I guess it is the Lions, so it doesn't really matter. But sure. uh, the one player the Cardinals have on COVID is, unfortunately, the center, Rodney Hudson who they traded for from the uh, the Raiders. He's kind of a big part of that line. I don't think it's going to be the end of the world. You're still starting Edmonds if you need a guy, but I mean, it just, of all the guys to go on COVID right. IR for that team, that was probably one of the worst ones you'd want for the running game. Definitely. And let's see, where are we going next here? We have the Jets versus Miami Dolphins. The Jets are going into Miami here. Jalen Waddle's out or on COVID. Uh, do we, um, was he officially ruled out or is he just uh on the COVID list here. Do we have so it? he got added on the 16th, which is not good. That was yesterday. Yeah. So guys like Salvin Ahmed and Miles Gaskin, they were added back on the 10th and 11th, and they have actually cleared. They, they, they yeah. were activated. Yeah. But so Waddle, like for him, that you need to have two po two negative tests 24 hours apart, right? So assuming that he had one yesterday, right? If we don't find out tomorrow that Jalen Waddle passed another test then you can essentially assume that he's not playing you know right. what i mean so that's basically it for waddle tomorrow tomorrow's a day philip Lindsay and, and jevon holland you can just they were on the 13th so if they haven't passed one now they're probably not going to go so for me it's wheels up for mike gasecki it's wheels up for Devonte parker you're starting miles gaskin where you need him and honestly tua has been a pretty decent player i mean as of late if you if you need him i mean this is a good matchup for him so if it's a pinch and you're just 
I don't know if you're going too crazy trying to get him in there, but you know, with this COVID situation at any time, quarterbacks can do, go down. So just keep that in the back of your mind that in the, the break glass in case of emergency player right now is, is Tua. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I actually like Tua a lot in this matchup. We saw it a couple of weeks ago against the Jets uh, in New York. He had two touchdown passes in that game. This is also a fantastic matchup for Gaskins. Now, we thought, you know, they've allowed uh, the most rushing touchdowns in football to running backs. Gaskins didn't run for a touchdown in this matchup. He actually caught a touchdown pass um, against the Jets. But you can certainly continue to run him out. But, I mean, for me, if Waddle's out, we go right back to my guy. I, I was touting the hell out of Devontae Parker a few weeks back when he came back, five catches, 62 yards, 11 fantasy points over on DraftKings at 3,900. My man is only $4,300, right? So like the, he went on by, he came off by, they barely boosted him. And now he has the, the potential to be the number one receiver on the team this week going up against the Jets. Again, this is, if you have him on your roster, you start him in DFS, you start him. He's one of my favorite players of the week. Yep, I'm right there with you. I, I think it's the, uh, it's a rock-solid play. On the other side of the ball, you like anybody? I mean, the guy that intrigues me, the name that is interesting to me out of everybody on this team is uh, Michael Carter, right? The rookie yeah. running back. A lot of the uh, a lot of the news from the beat writers, from the team themselves, they're saying this guy is going to get a feature workload. We're going to get to see what he can do. And anytime that some, they say that, if they come out and tell you that, I mean, it's... Yeah, I mean, listen, you know, they were giving it to him before. And he's effective. My one worry is, again, with the quarterback here. And Wilson just, he doesn't like to check it down. Now, I know last week against the Saints, Ty Johnson got seven targets. That's huge, right? You want to see them utilize Carter in the passing game because he has that elite skill set. And we saw it earlier this year with White when he was the quarterback, right? But Wilson's a downfield guy. Flacco was a downfield guy. Josh Johnson was a downfield guy. And they weren't throwing the running backs at all. Carter, his overall value was to be used in the passing game, right? So, or he was used that way when he was in North Carolina behind Javante Williams, who was running all over teams. But Carter's split ability to run the ball effectively and catch it is huge for his value. So I'm with you. I hope they could, they run him out there. Oh. They give him all that workload and uh, he's utilized the way he is. Remember um, those Mike Waite days, man? Those, uh, those were the days. I think yeah, he had, he had uh, these were his stats, those back-to-back games. Nine, tar- eight catches on nine targets against the Patriots. And then the following game against the Bengals, 14 targets, nine catches. Yeah. That would be a beautiful thing. Receivers for me, um, Barrios got a very high target share last week. I thought that was kind of surprising with the injuries to, to Moore and to Corey Davis. We weren't sure. Who was going to get those? Mims was supposed to come back. Keelan Cole was getting snap share, but that was actually the lead, leading target man there along with Crowder. Cole had one series. Uh, he had like five targets. He only caught one of them. Kind of hard to trust that connection. And then Mims got benched. So you're pretty much down to Berrios and Crowder for the receivers here. What scares me a little bit is that when I bring up this term a lot with these type teams is the live tryouts thing where they basically say, okay, let's throw this guy in for a series or throw this guy in for a series. So like Crowder and Keelan Cole played pretty much the whole game, but you know, Berrios only played 27 snaps. That's not even 50%. Mims right. played 22. Who is DJ Montgomery? He came in late. Actually, he, they, he was the one that got benched. He came in for Mims when Mims basically yeah. got sent out him and Vincent Smith. I don't think Smith played a ton either, but he was somebody that I saw 
Jets beats writers were tweeting about like, oh, this guy's in the- So that's what scares you for your redraft leagues. In DFS, I say go for it, but in redraft, I'm just scared yeah. that they're going to say, hey, you know what? Let's see what DJ Montgomery has because yeah. we want to know if he's going to be on the team moving forward. We we don't care about winning right now. Right. That bear stat's interesting because he had 10 targets on his 27 snaps, you said, right? Or is it 27% yeah, yeah. or 27 snaps? 27 snaps. 27 of 66. So we're talking not even half the game. Right. They did on half the snaps he played, basically. So, so if he had a full snap share, he would have got like 25 yeah. targets. Maybe that tells you what what Moore is looking to throw to. Uh, not Moore, a Wilson. Wilson that yeah. you're looking to throw at as well. Carolina Buffalo. Uh, Carolina goes into Buffalo here. Buffalo's a 12 point home favorite, 44 and a half game total with this one. Allen was off the injury report today. Emmanuel Sanders is out, I believe, dealing with his his injury that he's got. So uh, Gabe Davis, back to back games with touchdowns. Somebody that's popping up. I mean, listen, you called it in the off season. Everybody was hyping up Gabe Davis should take a step back. Because Manny Sanders, Emmanuel Sanders was signed to take over that John Brown role. Now Sanders is gone. Are we trusting Gabe Davis? Do we believe more in Cole Beasley? Dawson Knox had a big game at the end last week. Where are we looking for secondary targets on this Buffalo team? I mean, yeah, this is the exact situation where Gabe Davis did his damage the year before, right? John Brown was out. He went up to a huge snap share. When John Brown came back, he didn't catch any passes in the playoffs, right? In either playoff game. But as long as Emmanuel Sanders is out... That makes this a highly consolidated offense, right? Like three wide receivers and the tight end. So it's he. It just becomes one of those teams, like the Cowboys, for instance, where it's like now you know who the four guys are in any given game. You have to understand that your guy could be the odd man out, or he could be the guy that scores the touchdown, right? So for me, Diggs is a guy you start everywhere. Dawson Knox is a guy that you're almost certainly starting. And then Beasley and Gabe Davis are in that back against the wall tier, right? Where it's like, if you got nobody, if your wide receivers were Thielen, Lockett, and Cortland Sutton, then yeah, get Gabe Davis in there. You know what I mean? But if you have a normal lineup, I wouldn't get too cute taking out a guy that that you can kind of trust to have a floor to get Gabe Davis in there because I right. I think he's going to be a little touchdown dependent. I agree with you. We're not touching any of the running backs here, I imagine, because uh, Buffalo right. never runs the football. Carolina, anybody interest you at all in Carolina here against Buffalo? To me, this is a – I don't have too much confidence here in this offense against Buffalo this week. Yeah, I don't love it, man. I mean, it's like you want to say DJ Moore, right? Like you, your brain tells you this yeah. guy's good and you should get him in there. But then the more you start looking at it and thinking about it, he really is in that back against the wall tier for me now where it's like he's the guy. Obviously, you can't really trust Robbie Anderson and they got nobody else. Everyone else is splitting the tight ends. Brandon Zilstra and Terrace Marshall, like you're not touching those guys. So DJ Moore, if you got to use them, then use them. But I'm not particularly like jumping up and down to get him in there. Now for the running backs, we basically saw that Chuba Hubbard's going to be the guy on rundowns. He played, basically he played 25 snaps, 10, he got the ball, six, he blocked for Cam. And then he only played nine pass plays. On the flip side, Amir Abdullah played 29 pass plays. So they made it pretty clear how they're going to split it. The Bills, kind of a weird situation. I think I would, if I had to pick one of the two, I almost want to pick Amir Abdullah because I think that the Bills are going to be up. But I don't know. What do you think, John? What's the DVOA on, on the Bills? Are they a team that you can, I mean, we saw the Patriots. No, you, you, well, so you shouldn't be able to run on them. I and mean, if you look at the DVOA numbers, the teams who commit to the run have been able to run on them. But you also think about it, where, where do you rank? What's the spread? Like, it's, I got it right here. The spread of this game is 12. Buffalo is getting yeah. 12. 
So it's not really a game where Carolina is going to be able to should be able to run the goal. Not a great game script. Plus, teams that have run successfully on Buffalo this year, the running backs have been Derrick Henry, they've been Jonathan Taylor, Leonard Fournette, and then of course Harris and Stevenson in a game where literally the the Patriots are going heavy set six offensive linemen and a fullback with a strong side tight end. Like it was a ridiculous stack that they were doing running the football against that Buffalo team. Can Carolina do that with Chuba Hubbard? Eh, I don't think so. So I'm not really in on anybody in Carolina here. Next matchup's kind of, we have the Houston Texans going up against Jacksonville Jaguars. Of course, Jacksonville fired their coach. Urban Meyer didn't last a year uh, after all the news that came out there. So does that inspire Jacksonville now out of uh, Daryl Bevel, right? Is that the uh, yeah, guy yeah. taking over as the offensive coordinator or the coach, I guess, rather there? And then you have Houston, who committed to Davis Mills as their quarterback for the remainder of the season. He went out and completed like his first 14 passes against against the Seattle last week. I don't really know where to go with this game. I don't want to, I don't really have much interest in it, but like, are all the, like James Robinson, Marvin Jones, like, are all these guys now going to show up and play? Now that Urban Meyer's gone, like, are they going to feel relieved? Are they going to play for their new co- the new guy that's stepping in? I mean, again, it's a bad, two bad teams, not a lot of excitement, but where do you feel this one's going? No, sometimes with these two bad team games, it's almost like when you have like two negative batteries and all of a sudden it's, it's there's a little electricity there. It's like it, the, when it's real bad is when it's a really good team versus a really bad team and the game's just over before it starts. I mean, the, the game that they played earlier this year, the score was like 37-21. Like these right. teams, it could just be a beautiful mess. I know the over-under doesn't indicate that, and it could just be ugly, but I'm kind of interested in some of the narratives. We know Daryl Bevel's a run-heavy coach. We know that he wants to get this locker room back. We know that Trevor Lawrence came out and spoke to the media and said James Robinson should be on the field all the time. So I'm, I'm kind of interested in James Robinson in this matchup. If I have him, I'm probably getting him in there. I don't see why Bevel would go to... Carlos Hyde. It was Urban Meyer. I'm surprised. I wonder if they would even activate Carlos Hyde, right? Right. right, You were literally only here because Urban wanted you here. See you later, Carlos. So I'm I'm in agreement with you there. I also think it would be interesting. Does O'Shaughnessy get the same usage? You know, right? Like that was the offense of Urban Meyer. If Urban Meyer is no longer there, do they feature O'Shaughnessy the way they use? Do they use LaVisca maybe that more as sort of that guy? Like where, how this offense moves now? Uh, with Jacksonville, something to watch. On the Bevel. Houston side, I, again, I don't, there's not much. Maybe Nico Collins, because he had a good couple of weeks now. Yeah, I mean, I just wanted to, the last thing I wanted to yeah. say on the Jags there is that Bevel's guys are the Lions guys, right? Like Marvin Jones, but Jamal Agnew's out. So I could see James O'Shaughnessy still being fine because they really don't have enough pieces to go like four wide and no tight ends. You know what I mean? So I think O'Shaughnessy should be fine. With the Texans, Brandon Cooks is a guy that I do like. I mean, he's, the targets are there. This is a matchup where their offense can do something versus the Jaguars. You know what I mean? Where other teams, they can't. But this particular time, I think Brandon Cooks is one of the better players in this football game, right? Right. Like, yeah. So This was so, the matchup that kicked it off, right? Wasn't it week one yeah. this year? Where Cooks yeah, all yeah. of a sudden went out and we're like, oh, okay, Brandon Cooks is going to be the best receiver in football. You know, right? <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, yeah. So Cooks, I like. Nico Collins got 10 targets. I tweeted something yeah. out about him. We t- we always compare him to Kenny Galladay. Yeah. If he can average 60 yards a game over these last three games, then he'll have stats very similar to rookie Kenny Galladay. And then the other one that, that people are on, I, I was on him for DFS and things like that. People are on Brevin Jordan. They're asking me, can I start Brevin Jordan? The thing with Brevin Jordan is that he didn't play even 50% of the snaps. Yeah, he didn't the snaps run- were low. Didn't run even 50% of the routes. He's about as touchdown dependent as they make him. So if you look at my rankings for this week, I always tweet him out. He's in there with the other very touchdown dependent guys, the Jared Cooks and the CJ Uzoma's type. But uh, so d- don't go too crazy with Brevin Jordan unless this week 
they just turn it around and he becomes a full-time player, then maybe down the stretch you go that way. But I wouldn't, he falls into that too cute category. The one thing I do like about, and again, I know the snap share bears what you're saying. The one thing I do like is if you look at the game logs lately, last week Mills started, he had seven targets. The week before that Taylor started and Mills came in at the end and Mills was the one that threw to Jordan there at the end of the game. The week before that, you can correct me if I'm wrong, but I think the week before that, when he found the end zone, was that a Mills game as well, or was that a Tyrod game? Because I'm, uh, I'm, so I think you were right that it was a Mills game. Right. So I'm uh, I so that that interests me a little bit. If Mills looks to Brevin Jordan as sort of his bailout, as sort of his safety net. I remember that the three teams they played in terms of tight ends, when you're talking yeah. about the Jets, the Colts, and the Seahawks. Right. That's like. Good. Yeah, that's bottom. I know that the Seahawks are, I think, the fourth worst right now, and the Colts mm-hmm. are maybe the fifth or sixth worst, and the Jets are the Jets. So, yeah, got to keep that in mind as well. 100%. I just looked at you know, the one game where he didn't have much uh, impact there was the one where Tyrod started, and then they took out Tyrod, and Mills mm-hmm. got in that game, and, and Brevin got a couple targets at the very end, and then last week he had seven. So, I think that's something to at least in the back yeah. of my mind consider a little bit. It's like, yes, he's not playing a ton of snaps, but. If he's out there, Mills looks to throw to him and something that, again, something to watch as we go over the final couple of games. More for DFS than for seasonal, but for uh, sure. something's certainly there to look at. Next matchup, Tennessee versus Pittsburgh here. Pittsburgh, a one-point home favorite, 43 game total. Uh, obviously, Pittsburgh, an exciting, almost comeback win last week um, against the Vikings on Thursday. Tennessee, Donta Foreman had a big game for them, and now he has a really great matchup against Pittsburgh where you can run uh, on this Steelers defense this year. Julio came back last week, didn't do too much. Thoughts here on this matchup? Any notable COVIDs you should be wearing? No COVID. There's two guys, but they're not, they don't really uh, have much weight for fantasy. you got a defensive tackle for the Steelers, and then uh, I got to look it up. Yeah. It's nobody important. So nobody need to go crazy over. Yeah, it's uh, Des Fitzpatrick, who they right. cut him earlier this year. Yeah. So yeah, for Titans, like you, you said it, Dante Foreman, I think this is... If you got him, he's definitely in flex consideration, right? Because you're thinking about a lot of these teams with the, the number of wide receivers that are out. Like, you have to have three really good running backs to keep a guy like that out in this matchup, right? And then I'm not starting any of the wide receivers for the Titans if I can avoid it. Julio, they basically said they're going to manage his snaps moving mm-hmm. forward. The hamstring's not fully healed, so he's back against the wall type guy. I mean, I would put him in the same. I mean, here's a tough question for you, John. Let's say we'll use the same example. You have. Tyler Lockett and you got all these guys are out. If you were sitting there looking at Cortland Sutton and Julio Jones, who do you go with? Probably Julio Jones. Right. It's like, so he's in that situation where they're going to use him selectively. And when he's in there, they'll probably drop some plays for him, but he's not going to be the full, you know, the full snap monster that that we come to expect with the Steelers. Well, the real question here is whether Chase Claypool is buried under the doghouse at this point, or whether he's been able to make amends for what he's been doing lately. I mean, I know he, he had the attitude issues before coming out, telling the media that right. he wants to play music at practice. And then he had the two big penalties in the game. He got benched. Tomlin was not happy. So oh, yeah, the, the first down taunt basically right. wasn't a penalty, but it cost him like 10 seconds on the clock. Bonehead plays, man. So yeah. Deontay Johnson, you start Najee Harris, you start half Friar Muth. This is a difficult matchup for him. Like if you were somebody that was rolling with Knox and Fryermuth, I would go with Knox. Yeah. But, you know, Muth, he's fairly touchdown dependent. People forget that. Like they just look at the box scores or they look at the fantasy points and they think, oh, yeah, another good game for Pat Fryermuth. Last week, he had one target 
through 55 minutes of a 60-minute game. People forget that. If the Vikings just held on to the ball and ended the game the way you do when you there's five minutes left, then he would have ended the game with one catch for 19 yards. Instead, the Steelers got the ball back. They threw him the touchdown pass, and then they got the ball back again, and then you have the dramatic play at the end of the game that makes well, you think, caught it. Yeah. Right, and you think, oh, yeah, another target for him in the end zone. Like, none of that should have actually happened. Not so, only that, do you remember what that one catch was that he had before before uh, those 55 minutes? It was, it was like at, junk, right? Because there was like right before halftime, there was, I don't know, 10 seconds, 15 seconds left. And yeah, he got a 19 yard catch to run out the first, run out the first half. The Vikings were in total prevent. They weren't even trying to cover him. Uh, and he got the catch there. So I'm with you. But again, if you're at this point, tight end so bare, unlikely that you have anybody else to play over him. So you're just playing and crossing that they get, hoping that they get in the red zone. Because uh, Big Ben does look to him. So you know, when they get in that red zone, they're going to look his way at least once. So I, I just wish it was a better matchup. If it was yeah, for sure. the bottom five team. Like if you start Muth this week and he does well, then you start him the rest of the year because his matchups aren't nearly as bad. But yeah. if you can't afford to mix and match is what I'm you're, saying. You're hoping that with this matchup, the defense is drawn away from him because they have to worry about Najee. They have to worry about Deontay. They have to worry about Claypool or whoever's on the field. And that opens it up a little bit more underneath for Friar Muth mm-hmm. because they do have so many other options. So that's one way you're hoping that this Tennessee Titans defense maybe gets spread out or, or defended a little differently because they don't have that's um, the uh, we call that the Robert Tunyon effect right <laughs> right exactly <laughs> you got to worry about where Devonte Adams is and Lazard and all these other guys yeah. Cincinnati Denver home three-point favorite 44 game total Cincinnati has T Higgins has been unreal three straight games over 100 yards last week Chase had two touchdowns Burroughs looked fine with his little hand injury that he suffered two weeks prior and this is a great matchup for Joe Mixon because you can actually run on Denver this year if you want to go in that direction on the flip side I can't trust a single thing in the passing game for Denver but those two running backs are just total monsters Everybody who hates on Melvin, you're just going to have to keep on hating. We, yeah. Coop and I have been telling you all season long that as long as this team is winning, Melvin Gordon is the lead running back in this game on this offense and this team. It was frustrating to see last week where Melvin Gordon basically got them all the way down into the red zone, and then he hurt his hand. They put Javante Williams in. Williams got the touchdown, but then Gordon was able to come in. He led the team in carries. If you played both running backs in DFS last week, you had like 180 total yards and four touchdowns. So there's no wrong answer to which running back that you play, but Melvin Gordon is going to close out those games. He's going to be their lead back. Um, it just all depends on if this is the way this game flow plays for Denver this, yeah, this week. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're both RB2s. I mean, you can never have too many RB2s in this world, you know what I mean, in this environment, especially when you look at the list of people ahead of them. Like, so you say, okay, these guys are uh, half PPR or so they're, they're running backs like 15 and 17, right? But when you really break down the list, I mean, Derrick Henry's on the list. DeAndre Swift is on that list. Like, these guys are done. So that moves them up just almost to the fringe of a so. That's where we're at with these guys. You get them in there. I don't trust any of the pass catchers, like you said. Same boat there. Fant, can't trust them. It's Fant. Maybe you hold him on the bench for just in case for because he's got two good matchups after this, but I'm not starting him this week, yeah. not in the playoffs. And then on the other side of the ball, like you said, T. Higgins, over the last three weeks, he's been the wide receiver three in PPR. He's been a monster. So I'm starting Higgins. I'm starting Chase. Those guys are in the trust. They're in the trust tree for me. Right? They're, <laughs> yeah, fully, they're fully in there. If I have them both, I'm starting them both. Tyler Boyd, he's in the back against the wall group. I'm not starting. This is a CJ Uzoma hasn't been useful unless Higgins has been out. And yeah. Denver is 
uh, are, if not the best team versus tight end, they're top two with the Cardinals. I mean, Justin yes. Simmons, he's kind of a problem. So yeah. My, that's wor- my worry think. about the, the Bengals, if I had one worry, is that this isn't a team that you get into a shootout with, right? Denver isn't a team that's going to be, you know, slinging it back and forth. This isn't going to be a 60 point game where we saw with San Francisco being able to throw and keep, make this whatever, something like that. So when you talk about Tyler Boyd, you look at Tyler Boyd's recent targets and it's actually been, been pretty decent because the games that the Bengals have been forced into, but this is, I don't think this is going to be that week. So I'm with you there. Yeah, I will say one, one out of all the guys in this game, there is one interesting name on IR for the, it potentially be a shootout is that it's, is actually on the IR on the IR with COVID for the Bengals. So it helps the pass attack a little bit. I don't know if he was a full on game changer, but he's sure. a good player, right? Yeah, I agree. Next matchup that we got here, we have Atlanta versus San Francisco. Uh, 49ers are nine and a half point home favorites, 46 and a half game total with this one. Again, with the Atlanta side, Cordero Patterson's probably the only guy I've interested. Mike Davis is actually the last couple of weeks for PPR purposes has actually been kind of serviceable, which is funny given how bad he's been all season, but back-to-back double digit fantasy point weeks. Now for Mike Davis, San Francisco, the running game there, we're still wondering what's going to go on with, with Eli. But then you're also dealing with Debo's return and Debo being more, use more as a running back than he is as a pass catcher, which is worrisome for me as a Debo Samuel manager. Actually, it looks like Eli Mitchell has been ruled out already. So I guess I, I missed that report earlier today. It happened at 5-11. So oh missed that one a little bit earlier. So Eli's out. So we got Wilson. We got Hasty. We know that didn't work last week. So you got Debo here against Atlanta. You got Kittle. I know you say Atlanta sometimes is a decent matchup for tight ends, but you got Kittle this week coming off monster performances and IU. So again, San Francisco to me, you kind of know where the offense is going. Atlanta, it's Patterson. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I guess Kyle Pitts is in that. Again, he's a back against the wall type guy. The targets have been there. The targets are going to be there again. Is he going to catch them? I don't know. And it's not. It's just not a good matchup really for him. So I mean. If again, I've been saying this all year with Kyle Pitts, and I said it in my article before the season started. I said, if you're going to draft Kyle Pitts, you got to know the investment you're making. Like you're betting your team on Kyle Pitts. So mm-hmm. unless you had the foresight to go and get somebody else, and you do have somebody that's truly better, like it's not like like I have people that keep asking me like Kyle Pitts or like David and Joku. You know what I mean? Like David and Joku. Planning to start David and Joku with Nick Mullins in a, on a Tuesday night football game that might not even happen is like making a hurricane preparedness kit that's just a poncho and a sandwich. Like right. you, you're outside of your mind if you're leaning on David and Joku. So like Pitts is still the guy for a lot of people that have these tenants in these spots. Yeah. But you know, I, I don't envy the people that are in that situation. Yeah, I agree. This is definitely not a spot where you want to overthink it too much. I'll, t- I'll tell you that. I've had some people in my DMs with some questions where. They're, they're overthinking it a bit. Play, right. play the guys that got you here, especially yeah. ones that have matchups where the replacement player is, is far more riskier than the other one. So uh, I'm with you there. Next matchup, Green Bay-Baltimore. Green Bay is a six-and-a-half-point road favorite. No, it's, Lamar Jackson is unlikely to play from everything I've read. Red, it looks like it's going to be a Huntley game, which makes me even more curious that it's just a six-and-a-half-point spread, maybe because Baltimore's home. I know that Rodgers was dealing with that toe issue but i mean that doesn't seem to be something that's going to keep him out so again this is an offense where you kind of know where the ball is going at least and then on baltimore side i'm probably going to be out if it's not lamar jackson at quarterback 
Yeah, I mean, Hundley, the thing is, they did a good job finding a backup that can run that their offense. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? So um, the players had a lot of good things to say about him in terms of that. But again, he's not Lamar Jackson, so he's not interesting. Like, you're not going to start Huntley. Uh, you're starting Mark Andrews, right? Like, you can't go away from him. I think anyone can. I think Huntley can throw it to Mark Andrews. Marquise Brown probably falls into that that tier that's the, the back against the wall guys, right? And then Rashad Bateman, he's not even really getting a 50% snap share, so... Not super interested there. Uh, Devontae Adams, you're starting. Lazard and MVS, they're two back and forth for me to to care about them. What what interests me really is the running backs. Like Devonta Freeman, John, I'm starting him where I got him. Like I don't really have a lot of options. Yeah, well, I agree with you, right? He's a player where if you have him, you're starting him because like you said, he's your RB2 likely. A flex, you probably picked him up off the waiver wire and you're, you're in need of a running back. So this can be run heavy. Green Bay this year against the run in terms of DVOA, they currently sit 24th. So it is a team that you can certainly run the football against if you commit to it. And that's exactly what this offense is going to do. So Lat Murray did get the one yard plunge last week. So that's a little bit frustrating for for fantasy managers there. What about Packers running backs, man? That's the real question in this one. Is it like the split is kind of, it's annoying me. And can you trust AJ Dillon? That's the question. Because Aaron Jones, like, I can't not start him. And I know that he gets past where he gets those things. I think he's going to be fine. The question is AJ Dillon. No, you, know? you play Dillon. Dillon isn't, Dillon is, what did we talk about? We all thought that with Jamal Williams, that Aaron Jones would get the, the passing game work, but he'll also kind of maintain some of his running game. And maybe Dillon would be the guy that gets the eight to 10 carries. Well, no, it's, it's actually flipped. Aaron Jones is now playing the Jamal Williams role and AJ Dillon is playing the Aaron Jones role minus sort of the passing game work, <laughs> uh, yeah. which makes him even less valuable if he's not getting any of that. It's not that he can't catch the football, but the fact that he's the one getting the 15 to 20 carries while Aaron Jones is the one getting the five to 10 of late. I think that's the worrisome. Plus they're still managing. I think this knee injury, even though he mm-hmm. has no injury designation to me, that MCL is still a problem. But the one thing we talked about, or at least I've been talking about, since they drafted A.J. Dillon was the offensive, the coach, and the system that he ran in Tennessee with Derrick Henry when he was that breakout back. And then they went and drafted A.J. Dillon, which is as close to Derrick Henry you can find in the draft that year. And, mm-hmm. and now we're starting to see this, right? They gave him all last year to get acclimated to the NFL. He had those huge games late in the season. But this is how they want to run this offense. He wants his big bulldozing, beat you down, end of the season. It's cold. They're going to run over you and wear you down. And that's what Dylan's doing. He beats you up when he's giving you that football. They're running the football with you. And then you have a slasher. You have a guy like Aaron Jones that comes in and just hits you with that speed, hits you with that playmaking ability. And those defenses are just, they're just worn out from dealing with AJ Dillon and his 250 pounds for the last three quarters. So yeah, that's how I'm looking at it. I'm safe. I'm okay playing both, but Dylan, I think is going to be the lead leading man who gets the carries moving forward. Yeah, absolutely. So, and like you said, Dylan, man, he's a monster. That guy is humongous. He, it's like the three guys that I grouped together. It's like those two and uh, Brandon Jacobs are just, when you look at them on the field, they, it just doesn't look right. It doesn't yeah. look real. They're just so they're just so big. Next matchup is an interesting one again. We have New Orleans going into Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay is 11 and a half point favorite, a 45 and a half game total in this one. It's Tom Brady at home, right? It's Tom Brady at home against the Saints team you can't really run against. So I'm not as worried about Leonard Fournette this week as I was last. I, I think that this is a matchup where Tampa Bay and, and Brady are just going to light them up. 
I think you're you're going to throw all over the Saints team. On the flip side, this is a great matchup for Alvin Kamara, not because you can run against Tampa, but they're, they struggle against running backs that catch the football. And if Taysom Hill is still back there as quarterback, which he should be, his versatility and ability to run the football and change up this defense, I think matters as well. So I'm more on Kamara for the Saints. Tampa Bay, you just play the studs there. Yeah, I mean, Tampa Bay, like, I'm not sure if everyone's terrified of Brady or what, or the Bruce Arians doghouse, but nobody on that team has COVID right now. Uh, maybe they saw what happened to Keyshawn Vaughn when yeah. he got COVID, but uh, yeah, that was, they did a good job of avoiding it. The Saints, it's a Mark Ingram. He, he's been on the COVID IR since December 8th. Mm-hmm. So unfortunately, it sounds like he might, you know, be sick you know, with COVID. So hopefully he gets well soon. He's a fun guy. But uh, while he's out, I mean, it's wheels up for Alvin Kamara. Right. So I, I think you pretty much said it with this team. You can't start Tyler Johnson or Brashad Perriman, but you can start everybody else. You can go Godwin and go Evans 100%. You play Brady. You can play Fournette because he's actually been very good in the passing game. And just don't expect when it comes to running the football because the Saints have just been the best run defense in football now for as long as I can probably remember. They're number one in DVOA yeah. still this can't, year. So. Can't wait to watch uh, this week's fist fight between Marshawn Lattimore and Mike <laughs> yeah, Evans. Like, I was, right? like, you know what? Play Chris Godwin, because right. Evans yeah, probably getting ejected. So play yeah. Chris Godwin. I, I, yeah, I even think that happened the last time earlier this year when they played. It happens every time, man. Yeah. It's like Marshawn Lattimore is the new Cortland Finnegan. And, you know what I mean? And unfortunately, Mike Evans is his Andre Johnson, where it's like they just – it's like hockey. They just – the yeah. first whistle, they drop the gloves. All right. So I'm going to go – I'm going to jump a game here because we're going to we're gonna lump these COVID games together here. We're going to go Monday Night Football. We just talked about Sunday Night Football, New Orleans, Tampa Bay. We're going to go Monday Night Football, Minnesota – Chicago is a six-point home dog here, 44 game total. Minnesota, just some barely won last week, gave up a huge lead to Pittsburgh. And they lost they, they lost to the Lions. You know, Madison's on COVID, I still believe, right? I think you have that. He is, yeah. Uh, Ma- so Madison, so the Vikings have Madison on COVID and D.D. Westbrook on COVID, which is kind of right. interesting for KJ Osborne. The Bears, I mean, I know you said that we're not getting into the COVID teams, but I mean right. – yeah, though, I right, right. Right. I mean, the Bears are pretty close to being a COVID team at this right, point with yeah. some of these names on here. I mean, Allen Robinson's not going to play, most likely. Has Jesse. he played this year? I wasn't sure. I know. I don't, not for me, he hasn't. <laughs> yeah, so, yeah, so. This, this is a matchup where I'm expecting Minnesota. I know a lot of people are high on Chicago because of how bad Minnesota's played of late and, and whatnot, but I still haven't seen anything out of fields or anything that makes me excited. You, but you play Mooney. You play Montgomery. What are your thoughts on Komet? No, because... No? With Justin Fields, the thing with Fields is that he's just your classic mobile-ish quarterback, right? Like, he's Jalen Hurts, yep. and he, he's not interested in throwing to the load A at odd players. So if this was a situation where it was Dallas Goddard running actual seam routes and posts and stuff, now now you got a guy that the quarterback's interested in. Cole Komet is a lower ADOT player, like a Tyler Conklin type, and yep. it's just I just feel like when I watch the games, Justin Fields is looking over his head. Yep. Or he's looking to run it. He's not right. gonna. He's not gonna flip it to Cole Komet. Correct. He's gonna tell Cole Komet to go block somebody. As Komet gets those targets on like broken plays or whatever when he's kind of scrambling around. He's he's out there. So not to mention it's a bad matchup for tight ends. Eric Kendricks is very good yep. in coverage. He's one of the best tight ends playing right now. So I just I don't like it for Komet. Yeah, I'm with you there. On the flip side of the spot, as we talked about with Minnesota, Dalvin Cook came back, wore the wore the harness, and ran all over the Steelers. So I feel pretty confident 
and his ability. Justin Jefferson is obviously going to be a lock and load. What's the feeling update here? Do we got one? Yeah, he's not looking good. I I, good. I googled it about a about an hour ago, and they said he's not available. So Osborne, I'm in on Tyler Conklin out. I mean, he just he blocked. There's no tight end in the entire league that's blocked on more pass plays than Tyler Conklin. That's all you need to know. The Bears are a top five team versus the tight end. Just don't do it. All right, so now we'll get to the games that were moved due to COVID. We have the Monday 5 p.m. start, which is great for us, Coop, right? Like, we love football. We get to watch awesome. doubleheaders and Tuesday games. Dude, Las Vegas Tuesday, Raiders. let me just say, dude, yeah. like, I love, I want Tuesday football, but <laughs> did they really have to, they have to put the, both the games at 7 o'clock? You couldn't have, you couldn't have staggered them, like, at all, even a little bit? Like, oh, I know, right? I, I agree with you. I agree. Monday, though, we got the 5 p.m. Las Vegas Raiders versus the Cleveland Browns here. Cleveland, of course, who's healthy? Is Chubb the only healthy guy for them right now? Like Chubb, Chubb and David and Joku. I mean, like, I'm not going to read this list, but yeah, you go, go, to, go to fantasyalarm.com. We have it up there with the player's name and the dates that they, they went right. out on IR. So it's it's helpful from that sense because you can look at it and see, okay, Jarvis Landry tested positive on the 14th, right? He's, you know, that means that he's had three days now to get two uh, negative tests. One of those tests was positive. So he, at this point, we can assume that he officially has a positive test, meaning he's not going to play. So it's, it's not looking good for guys like that. So we'll see, but we'll see if the league is maybe doing this to give them enough days to all of a sudden be able to play. I mean, I don't know how that's, that's going to work. Hope. That's why they're, that's definitely why they're moving. If they're trying to allow them to feel the team. So that's something to. So that would be, that would be seven days for Jarvis Landry. I mean, is there some sort of rule there where even if he did test positive for COVID, if he, now it's a full week later, he can play. I mean, I don't know. So it's, yeah. that's the weird thing. I mean, it, it, oddly, I, I was doing a little thinking about this and it kind of makes me want to bet the over on some of these games. Just thinking that maybe the league is going to pull some strings and do some do some NFL player association stuff. They're changing the testing in terms of like what's allowing guys to play and what's what they're not allowed to play. So if you test negative with two different tests and they're trying to make it so guys can come back who are asymptomatic and testing with that are vaccinated. So we'll see. But like you said, it's Chubb, it's Njoku. Mullins is expected to be the starting quarterback here for Cleveland. They don't really have any receivers. The Vegas side, you can play most of these guys. So I guess yeah. it's just depending on where you, where your roster looks like. But I don't have any qualms about who's available for Las Vegas here. They have no one on they have no one on the COVID list. That's it's what I'm all saying, the Browns. Right? Like, so yeah, you can just kind of play who you play Renfro. You play Jacobs, play Carr. Like I'm fine with all of those guys. So. Yeah, I mean, and Peppa, you you've been harp, you've been the one pounding the table for Renfro, and you got I've me been on board. Renfro for like three years. There's a DFS podcast laying out there between me and Bender, and and Renfro. I, I actually think Renfro was the first ever in Pemba special, if I believe it or not, in the dartboard. I believe he was the first ever in Pemba. He came and he like immediately caught like a 60 yard touchdown. So yeah. hey, you I'll got see. you got me on the list, and I. Uh, on the wagon with him. And I talked about earlier, I said T Higgins over the last three games has the third most fantasy points PPR. Number one, of course, is Cooper Cup. Number right. two is Hunter Renfro. Yeah. Like this guy has been so solid. His route running is great. He looks great. I mean, you're starting him no matter what. I think from this game, you start Chubb, you start Renfro, you start Josh Jacobs, and then you don't, you just stay away from everybody He's else. He's that classic, like the, it's easy for him to get open with the routes that they run. I mean, he creates just an easy target for Carr, and he just ra- ra- you know, racks up these just these volume stats. But then, like, he hits a seam, and next thing you know, he's got, like, a 30-yard catch. And you're like, oh, yardage just popped because he got, he broke one. Like, 
It's the Edelman, it's the Welker Cup, even to an extent, mm-hmm. kind of runs these type of things. So, yeah, he is good. Next matchup, the Tuesday games you talked about. We have Seattle versus the Los Angeles Rams. Uh, the Rams, the entire team, pretty much isn't is COVID protocols here. I think except Cooper Cup, right? Stafford and Cup are like the only two. You said Henderson's coming back, right? But yeah. Jefferson, OBJ was positive. Their defense was all positive. So we're going to wait and see how that one uh, plays out. On the Seattle side, Collins and Lockett are both positive for COVID. Yeah, so I mean, for me, because I the, and the, it sucks that some of these are the teams, because like you can't bench Hunter Renfro or Cooper Cup under any circumstances, right? So you just got to ride or die with it. But there is a possibility that this game just gets like canceled or it doesn't get played. I mean, they're moving it, but sometimes that's just a, hey, let's just move it and give ourselves a chance, last ditch effort. But, you know, in the back of their mind, they could be thinking if things don't change, then this game has to be canceled. So I'm not banking on Van Jefferson or Odell Beckham Jr. if I have other options just to play it safe and get somebody in my lineup that's not part of a game that is on the fringe of maybe not happening. I mean, we've seen, we saw it with the like hurricane games where they just called it a bye week or they moved it to other weeks. Like these platforms, Yahoo, they don't have the capability to to accommodate a situation where this game gets moved to some somehow they move it to they move the playoffs back a week or something like that and they play the game later like that that's not going to help you in fantasy football so that's my warning for anybody that's thinking about playing some of these fringe guys don't go for those guys like if you're banking on a stud or you need daryl henderson or cooper cup hunter info you play but i wouldn't sit back and say oh i'll just wait and i'll play Van Jefferson or Odo Beckham Jr. Because there's, I mean, there's an outside chance there's no game. So right. yeah. um, just keep that in the back of your mind with all, with anybody that's on the fringe, right? Like if you can get somebody in there, that's definitely going to play, then start, then use those guys. Yeah, I agree with you. And then the last game here that we got to discuss, we have Washington football team going up against the Philadelphia Eagles. Like another game that got moved here. The one thing I think kind of is interesting is the status of Jalen Hurts, not because of the COVID thing, but he was coming back from that ankle injury. There were some reports that though he's a full practice. He wasn't looking too good. But if you're facing now Hurts in, in fantasy, he's getting these extra days to allow that ankle to heal up. That's kind of uh, a, a little not unfair, but, you know, kind of tough luck there. Yeah, I mean, that's yeah, that's interesting. I mean, and this is another one where it's all Washington with the COVID, yeah. right? Washington has 20, 20 plus players and the Eagles have one. It's Quez Watkins. And we're talking both the quarterbacks for Washington, uh, Cornelius Lucas, who's a starting tackle for the team. So they're kind of in a really tough spot. A lot of defensive players, once again. So not really loving Washington. I mean, Ricky Seals-Jones without his quarterback goes from somebody I was considering to now you're playing with so much fire. He didn't. He only played like 30% of the snaps. Yeah. He might not have his quarterback. The game name might not happen. Like he just goes, he goes into a totally different tier for me. I, I in my I labeled my tiers in my tight end thing, and the tier where all these guys is called the floor is lava. That's you know what I mean? Like yeah. the ceiling is what it is, but the floor is is the game doesn't happen. So yeah, I, I really like Antonio Gibson this week. They would go back to just running him a ton. And yeah, now that things have changed here, you're in a predicament. I'll tell you that much. It's still a good matchup for him, but then again, if if they're down a bunch of core starters, like the team Philadelphia is just gonna hone in here and, and just shut this team down. So yeah, uh, I mean I like I still like I still like Goddard. I mean, if you had to pick one of Antonio Gibson or Miles Sanders, which one would you go with? Probably Sanders here. Probably go Sanders. Yeah. Just I mean, it depends who comes back for Washington, right? Like if their defense is torn up, then like 
Yeah, I mean, can you even bet on these teams right now? Like, they're actually taking bets. Like, what happens when if like all the players? Be, well, it would be no action if it gets canceled. But I can't imagine. What if well, they get all these Washington guys off the COVID list and the line goes from minus eight to minus one? It's just that's the whole advantage of betting it before game day. Honestly, right. you're also betting on what if you're putting your money on Washington, you're yeah you're playing, playing with fire there. Yeah. Uh, let's see. You can no, those games are not available to bet on. So. They're not on the board. Okay. So I'm not surprised. Know. I'm not surprised, but no. But there are lines out there. You know, what I mean, like. There, so we, can, we get an idea of what uh, what Vegas is thinking because it's like the Eagles went from minus three and a half to minus eight if bef- yeah. before they got pulled. So that's not good. That's no. not good for Washington. So All right, I agree with you there. So Coop, that wraps it up. Do we have a lifestyle tip of the week for anybody? Yeah, yeah. So I was actually thinking about this. You know, with last week we talked about like the podcasting stuff and just getting that equipment. I just wanted to mention for anybody that's interested in getting into writing and not just fantasy football. Right. Because if you want to write about anything, be it politics, news, whatever, the place to do that is Reddit. I'm not some people might not be familiar with it, but that's actually where I started doing this. I would just go on Reddit. I had my account. I would just write up whatever I thought about a player or interesting stat and you can just post it there. And you get not only can you get feedback from people, but you can do it anonymously. You can find out if people like your stuff. I used to post things and no one would read them or they would say, this is stupid. And I kind of honed what I was doing. And then eventually I took that stuff and kind of showed it to to John here. And that's how I I moved forward. If you're interested in in writing and doing those kind of things, that's how you break into certain things. Like I know that people do it on the politics page. I know people do it on the news page. So, I mean, that's my tip there. If you're trying to get into something, I mean, they have pages for creative writing. They have pages like humor, the prompts, things like that. So if you want to get into writing, that's where I would go to hone your skills. You know what I mean? And feel free to reach out if you know, if you've been thinking about it for a while and you thought to yourself, I don't know how to do it. Cause I, I was thinking about that recently. I was actually talking to Dave Kluge who did the same thing as me. He started on Reddit. That's where he did his first writing. And now he works for, I don't know where he works, but he's, he does fantasy football. So if you're wondering how to get into this kind of thing or, or just writing in general, that's such a great spot to start. That would be my recommendation for anybody Reddit. So Reddit fantasy football. It's a cool yeah. place to hang out. Yeah, it can be a cool place. It's also ruthless. So let's make sure you're putting the warning sticker out there, Coop, before you send a bunch of eager writers to the depths of Reddit to uh, <laughs> get their lives eaten as well. So you got to have tough skin. You have to have thick skin. And it's like, but the, that's how you get constru- constructive criticism. And I'll tell you, people have been super mean to me on there, but it's made me better at what I do because I anticipate how people are going to attack my work and I can write it in a way that makes it a little more bulletproof. So that wraps up our week 15 preview here. Uh, Coop always been a blast and good luck in your playoff matchups this week, man. Yeah. Good luck to you too, my man. And Hey, good luck to our Patriots on Saturday, tomorrow night. That'll be a fun one. It will be a fun one. All right, guys, you know where to get us, get Coop on Twitter, myself on Twitter and in discord. We'll be together on Sunday, 11 to 12, leading you into uh, roster luck uh, with any inactives that happen there. And hopefully no more COVID, but we'll be available 11 to 12 for you guys all this Sunday. We'll catch you later.